Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Brother Newbern asked me, did I want to do this? And I, I said, for what? <laughs> me? <laughs> me? <laughs> and sometimes I still feel like that. But the one thing that I never take for granted, I promise you, is standing here. Um, I have even, and maybe if they want to edit this from the tape, they can. But I have even had dreams that it's bothered me so much that I've had dreams um, of like um, me being in a dream and somebody waking me up and says, it's your time. And, and I'm saying, but I don't have nothing prepared. <laughs> it's bothered me that much, you know. Um, but I said so many times that start when I started coming here, I'm not... I was, my parents started taking me to church when I was nine, and the same God that's here was there, but I'm telling you, when I walked in here, it has been different, so it is just, it has been different, and I have tried to base everything I know on the Bible, whatever has come into me in my life, and maybe I'm not, which I know I'm not the most outgoing person, but what I have tried to do, no matter where life has pushed me, it's not going to push me so far that I can't find myself in the Bible, I promise you. And that's the way I've, that's always has been my outlet. I can go to the Bible and read about me. No matter where I'm at, no matter how confused or where, if I seem like I just can't get a handle on the hundredth thing that I'm trying, the Bible always has. That's why I've said, no matter what what or where, emotionally, mood, you name it, put any title you want it, on it, I can go to the Bible and truly ask God to, to direct me, and he will. And I can find it in the Bible. That's why... That's why I've always said, you know, as, as uh, Paul told Timothy, don't let nobody despise your youth. It doesn't, and I say this respectively, regardless who is standing here, when they're speaking, I'm going to listen. I promise you, I am not, I am not going to be so arrogant to think, really? They're speaking? Because just as soon as I do, that which I needed... I just come in one ear and go out the other. God has a way of giving us what we need, and it's regardless who is speaking. So I just 
I just, I don't know. I have just felt really in the last couple of months to just say I'm thankful for this church, for what it means, for what it means to me and to my wife and everything that we have went through and everything that we have done to stay here and not leave. Um, I'm just thankful for the truth and what I know of truth. And so that's what I want to speak on is grace and truth. I'll just use for a title. And my wife uh, was speaking to me, um, and she was reading in Judges, and she was speaking where... Gideon had the men, and he finally wound up with the 300. And the Bible says he handed each one a trumpet. So, you know, she was saying, uh, where did he get all them trumpets? So with truth, half, of, half in my title, I just will say, I don't really know. <laughs> so I don't know where he got 300 trumpets, you know, let alone if he started out with 32,000. But one thing... I do know is that when you look up trumpet in the Old Testament, the word trumpet held so many titles. Or when the Bible says, um, take your trumpet, it was not just a one-item deal. Because to me, or you can read actually what the trumpet was for. It was just an exhaustive list. And it was, it was for feast. It was for memorials. And one of the things that I just remember off the top of my head that God told the people of Israel, when you go in Canaan and someone is trying to oppress you, you blow that trumpet a certain pitch. It's in the Bible. You blow that trumpet a certain pitch. And I'll hear that and I'll give you victory over them. And it was like when you get ready to go to war, you blow that trumpet. So Gideon told them, it's in the Bible. You put your trumpet in your right hand and you put your pitchers covered with the earthen vessel. So, I, so when she asked me that, it got me to think, and I, you know, and I, this is just food for thought. So what did they do? The Bible says they break their pitcher. So regardless, I, I'm just saying it's true today. The trumpet to us is our voice. And the only way, if they're launching an attack, the only way they could break that earthen vessel was with their trumpet. They took their trumpet and broke that earthen vessel, which revealed the light. And it's the same way today. It could be in praise. It could be you in testifying, witnessing to someone. When you, so to speak, put the trumpet to your lips and break through this shell, then that light is revealed. Now, I want to go to actually to Matthew, the sixth chapter. And all I have is just some thoughts, and I just, I just want to leave them with you. We'll start in Matthew, the sixth chapter. We'll read Matthew 6 and 28. Matthew 6, 28 and 29. And it says... And why 
take ye thought for raiment. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, God is telling us here in, in this that this is the wisest and one of the richest kings of Israel. And most of the time, they would dress in purple. I would say most of the time. But on occasions, they dressed in white. The kings did. And God said, here is a lily that literally has nothing to do with nothing but splendor. And Solomon in all his glory with his robe on, dressed up in everything that he knows and is. And he was saying, look at what the lilies do, which is nothing but I sustain, and their splendor is greater than Solomon's. And he was saying, take no thought. In other words, don't be anxious. He said, here is Solomon in all of his glory is not as good as these. And then he goes down in 33, he says, But seek ye the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore take no thought for tomorrow or for morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto day is the evil thereof. Now, looking for tomorrow causes us anxiety today. It really does. And then, but really... God really, I will say, God really only gives us grace for today. We hadn't made it till tomorrow. So the cycle that we live in, we live in one day at a time. If all we worry about tomorrow, it ruins our today and causes us anxiety. And he said, take no thought for tomorrow. Not that we don't have to be concerned. I don't think that's at all what the Lord meant. But if you spend your time consumed about tomorrow then you just consume yourself with anxiety. And he had said, and he did it. I mean, that is truly, here's the pendulum over here at Solomon, the richest, wisest, dressed in the finest robe there is to just the lilies. And God said, the lilies don't do nothing. But I water them and sustain them. And their beauty is greater than Solomon." And you're worried about tomorrow? Don't be anxious about tomorrow. I take care of the lilies. I take care of you. So that's what he was saying. Now, let's go to, go with me to John. John 1, 17. This is, of course, is where I get the title from. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. The law was given by Moses. God handed the law to Moses on the mount. He gave it. And truth came by Jesus Christ. Now. Truth came into existence by Jesus Christ. That came. It's not just came. It means to come into existence. Grace and truth. I want to jump back where it speaks of the law and go to and just read one verse in Exodus 12 where he was, Moses was telling them to put the blood 
And in Exodus 12, 23, I want you to listen. To what it says. For the Lord will pass through and smite to smite the Egyptians, and when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will, will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. This is the Bible says these are types and shadows for us. But what he is telling Israel, if you do not take, I'm an Israelite, if you do not take this blood and put it on your lintel and side post, you will be slain just like the Egyptians. And so a lot of people seems to think that they hang around church or, or, or just want a little bit of God and that's, you know, and I'll be okay but that's what, not what God is saying. You know, God has always wanted the relationship with humanity. So he's telling them that. He says, you have to do this. And, and I'll just say one thing where, he, where he's telling them, and I believe this, and I'll get into it with grace just a little bit. But this is grace, or in the Old Testament, it's referred to mercy. When he tells them to strike the blood on the side top, the reason I believe he didn't tell them to put it on the floor is because you do not walk over the blood. And I believe that was a type all the way from the very beginning. You do not do that and do that. Now, he says you strike it, you do that. The law was given. We know from Moses that they had the law. And then the Bible says, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. We've had the literally the what we're in now, the society we live in, is just basically says you can have what you want. You can, you know, I'll take the grace, but I don't want the truth. You know, the Bible says, you know, I'm saved by grace. So what do I need truth for? If I'm saved, then I'm okay. Because the Bible says that I'm saved by grace. So, but I would say, that's why the Bible says you need someone to have and pastors to teach us the whole counsel of God. I would say it like this. You will not receive grace if you reject the truth because the Bible says grace and truth came by Jesus Christ came into existence now it's just I would say and I've even read this that's why I'm, I make so many comments about what, what you read one person even had to quote that if you have grace you do not need truth. And I thought, what planet does this guy live on that you don't need truth? I mean, it, it is just scary to me. But the true reason that God came to this humanity and went through the cross and everything he did 
was the sole purpose to give us the revelation of who he was. And that was the purpose, to let us know who he was. Now, there are a lot of those that say, well, the Bible says he's the son of God. I'll accept that. I'll accept him as the son, but I will not accept him as the almighty, or I won't accept him as the everlasting father or the great I am. But when if you listen to the radio some, I mean, I don't know what you listen to. I know what I listen to, but uh, <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll move on. Um, but the philosophy on the radio of, by artists, you know, I'll just quote two of them. It says, speaking of grace, how much grace is there? More than drops in the ocean. Now, do I want to bash their theory? I'm not going to bash it. But what is that teaching people? Now, the other one by a group that I listen to that says, you just got away with something. That's okay. Grace got you covered. In other words, you can do something wrong, but that's okay. Grace has you covered. And then, but when you go back and read the types and shadows of this, God would not permit that. He says, you put the blood, you cover yourself in the blood lest you be took also. So now, this, when they start doing this, and they just say, but we have grace. Grace covers everything. I have grace. And when they start applying that logic to truth, then, I believe me, I have no problem at all. In, and I should not. When it comes of having grace to humanity. Because the one you're looking at is not even close to being perfect. So why would I want, would not want to have grace to someone else? We should have grace and help each other. We should. Now, but the world has took that to the point that you can have grace, you can do whatever you want, but they're applying that to truth. Well, I don't like this. Or, you know, I think we can change that. Well, truth does not change. It does not matter what year it is. You know, just what the philosophy of sums, or, or if it's, it doesn't matter the date. The Bible has not changed. God's requirements are the same. And it's just no matter what man has been told, truth will not change. And, you know, you can't, you can't give someone a false hope and tell them that grace, you know, grace is going to cover everything. Just go with it. You'll be okay only to stand before God and said, you got the grace part, but you never got me. And I gave you the grace to get me. And they're not being told the whole story. All I want or all they're being told is grace, 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 grace. And all I scream is what about the truth? Because that's what God really wants. He gave us the grace to know him. And then when I just take the grace as just an open account to do anything I want, then I've turned him into something that's not meant to be. He gave himself so I would know him. 
and that's what he done. Now, in Daniel, I'm not going to turn to it, but in Daniel, there's three, there's three miracles that that happens in Daniel. Um, there is the 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 Hebrew boys; they get thrown in the furnace. The writing on the wall, and then when we when Daniel goes to the den of lions, now. Then, that's the miracles that happen with Daniel. Now, in John, right where we're at, just in, in chapter 2, let's read here. And in the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And, and both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And they wanted wine, and the mother of Jesus said unto him, they have no wine. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I have to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. Now, I don't believe that he was being rude to her here. He was beginning his ministry. This was his mother. But I don't know. The Bible goes on later on down in the chapter. It says that this was the beginning of miracles that Jesus did. So, and, and Mary's telling them that they need this, and Jesus, is and Jesus, you know, called her woman. He didn't call her mother. It was like, now, now I have to draw this line. You know, it's time for me to do this ministry. So he takes, and the reason I mentioned Daniel, because in Daniel, actually Daniel in the Den of Lions is the last recorded message in the Old Testament. So then you fast forward, it's around 570 years, you come up to this, this marriage. And then all of a sudden, Israel... They hadn't seen no miracles in 570 years. And so then you've got his mother asking him, you need to do this. And he tells her, what have I have to do with thee? Other words, my ministry is a lot more than you. So he takes and he does this. Now in verse 5, his mother said unto the servants, whatever he saith unto you, do it. Now that is truly some wise words. Whatever he saith unto you, do it. Now what's truly unique about this passage is for 570 years, no miracles. Jesus, this is the beginning of miracles. This is Jesus' first miracle. But this would be the last words of Mary, his mother. Recorded in the Bible. Whatever he saith unto you, do it. And we hear from her no more. So, she's telling us, now, the woman that brought to us a God that th at that time they could actually see, God is not invisible anymore. And her last words would ring on and on and on. Whatever he saith unto you, do it. And that is some of the best, some of the best 
information that we could have. So he takes, he does this, but it's unique how this all comes together, and it does. For truly, grace did come by Jesus Christ, but the grace was to bring us to the truth. And truth is not in, you know, people, a lot of people I think, especially about Pentecostals, if you want to refer to us as holiness people, they, when you say truth, all they see is they go back to the 613 laws. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do that. I'm saying truth is the revelation of who God is. You know, it's just because somebody that's all they're going to do is argue about what you can and can't do. You know, I'm not trying to be cruel, but don't waste your time. I'm sorry. Get somebody that wants to know who God is, wants to have a relationship with God, because that's why God made this accessible. It was to know him. It was not just so I could check off a list and I did this and I did that. Don't worry. With knowing God, that's not an issue. I promise you. Living right, doing what you should, that will not be an issue because there is something about being in the presence of God and being close to God with the Holy Ghost that just solves all of that. It does. Now, turn with me to Galatians and let's read just a few a few words of Paul, what he says to the um, Galatian people. In Galatians, the fourth, fourth chapter, 13th, chapter 4 and 13. You know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. And my temptation which was in my flesh, ye despised not, nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Where is then the blessedness ye spake of? For I bear record that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and had given them to me. And listen to 16. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Now, when you go back to 13, you know, I don't really know what this infirmity, it could have been Paul speaking of his thorn in the flesh. We don't really know. Some says they, they think it may have been his eyes, an issue with his eyes. Um, but he says, you know how through this infirmity, but this I do know through reading on this, that it was believed that illness the Galatian people believed that if you had an illness and you was not healed, that they believed it was literally a sign of God's disfavor or you could evenly or even be possessed. And Paul is saying through that, you know how through the infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you and my temptation which was in the flesh, you despised not nor rejected. You accepted me. Thorn and all. You accepted me. And then says, you receive me as an angel of God, even Christ Jesus. Other words, I'm just an angel to you. Wherein then is the blessedness that you spake of? For I bear the record that it would have been possible you to have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. 
Now, this is just a, a wild example he's saying. You know, and he's just using this for an uh, analogy. We're so close, you like, like we would have said, you know, I'd give them my right arm. You know, is what Paul is, the Galatians, he's telling to the Galatians. I thought we was friends, so to speak. But now, because I got down and told you what God's word said, now you consider me an enemy? Paul said, I don't, you know, how can we be over here so close? And then all of a sudden this word divides us. Now I'm over here and you're over here and now we're enemies because I shared the truth. But when it comes to this word and doctrine, we can't change. We can't let up. It has to remain the same no matter what this world does, preaches, teaches. This doctrine has to remain the same. And I, you know, you could say that as time goes on, they're going to let up, do Fine, they do what they want to do. We have to be concerned with us. Because if we want to make it and want to be saved, it will be by this word. This word is going to save us. And, and that's the way I want to be. I want to be just like the Bible says. Now, I'm going to read one last verse in Romans. And this was Paul's writings to Romans 8. In 16, the Spirit, I'll read three verses. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And as children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If it so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. And then that's where he goes in. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now it says, if we suffer with him, now joint heirs with Jesus Christ. If you hadn't been involved in it, you probably know somebody. All the squabbling can go on when it comes to family ties (laughs) and deals. But the Bible says to be made an heir to what God owns. I think that's I think that's a lot. And then it says, if we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. How can you suffer with him? To me, to me. God came what? In the flesh. So when we deny this flesh, that's exactly what we're doing. We're suffering, as the Bible says, which would be equivalent with the Lord. And the Bible says, if you suffer with him, give yourself to him. The Bible says, if you suffer with him, and that's when he says, the sufferings of this present time is not even worthy to be compared. He's not making light of any issues or situations people go through. He just said, and this I will say, consider the man that's saying it, that went to the third heaven. You know, this is not, if anybody's named Joe, I don't mean this, Derogatory. This ain't Joe on the corner saying, you know, <laughs> y'all need to see what I've seen. This is the Apostle Paul. When he says these sufferings are not worthy to be compared, we should believe it. Because he said, when you deny yourself and allow the grace that God's given us to work through us, 
is for one purpose, and that's to know him. And not, not to fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's not why we have grace. Grace has been given to us to know God. And I thank him for it. I truly, truly thank him for it. Because that's what he said. It's not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now, I'm going to ask you to stand if you will. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.